0: Hey, I'm so glad to see you today. We're in part three of a series called My Help Comes from the Lord. And I've been hearing from so many of you by email, on social media, and even in person, some of you, about how God is working in this series. It's been an incredibly practical series. Here's what we've learned so far. Week one, we learned how to stabilize your emotions, even when things feel totally uncertain. Last week, we learned how to walk out of depression from the word of God. This week, we're gonna learn how to find the good even in the worst. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I tend to find the bad even in the best. I know some people, they could be at the best restaurant and all they would find is complaints. Well, check out this video of a child who's got a bowl of ice cream, but they're so frustrated with it. And as you watch, feel free to laugh at these facial expressions because I think they capture how so many of us have felt in this year of 2020. Let's take a look. We're eating ice cream. What's it taste like?
1: No, I've never seen a kid get this mad because she couldn't get a smaller amount of ice
0: cream. What's the matter, honey? What's wrong? No, ice team. What's wrong? Oh, I'm not happy. <laughs> well, isn't that a little bit of how we have all felt so far in 2020? I wonder. What's the bowl of ice cream in your life right now? What is it that is deeply frustrating you? Uh, Maybe it's something like the fact that for Thanksgiving, you can't get together with some people you love, or maybe it's something more serious like a chronic illness. What is it that life has just frustrated you with? And here's the question that we're gonna ask of God today. How can you find the best when you're at your worst? I mean, in your life right now, what if I could tell you today where you just feel like, John, I'm lethargic or I'm just, I'm not at my best. Maybe you feel like your situation's impossible. Maybe you feel like the pain is unbearable. Whatever that worst thing is in your life right now, what if I could tell you from the word of God how to find the best within it? Well, that's what we're going to look into the word of God to find. And we find the answer in a parable that Jesus told. It's recorded for us in Luke chapter 18, and here's how it starts in verse one. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. In other words, this parable is in the context of the things in life that frustrate us, the things in life that aren't going the way we want them to go. And Jesus says, when life's not going the way you want it to go, keep praying, don't give up, And here's a story to illustrate why you shouldn't quit. Picking up in verse two, Jesus said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. Verse three, there was a widow in this town and she kept coming to this judge begging for justice. Now a widow in this culture is a person who didn't have a lot of rights. Most likely what had happened here is after her husband passed away, she probably had land that was rightfully hers, but some man took it. And the only chance she has of getting it back is this judge, this dishonest, unjust judge. Well, verse four tells us that for some time he refused. He didn't care about her. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bugging me, she keeps bothering me, she keeps asking all hours of the day, I'm going to see that she gets her justice so that she won't eventually attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. In other words, be persistent. Don't give up praying. Don't give up doing what's right because God's not an unjust judge. He's a good judge. Jesus says in verse seven, will not God bring about justice for you as one of his chosen ones? If you've been lied about, if you've been wronged, if your body's going through sickness and and we're facing death, all of us, because of what Adam and Eve did and because what Satan did, he's going to give justice to all of us who believe in him, who cry out to him. Day and night, keep crying out to God. And then Jesus says this in verse eight, I tell you, this judge, the perfect judge, God, he will see that his sons and daughters, you and me get justice and he'll do it quickly. However, then Jesus says, when I return to earth, will you be one of the people who believe in me, who are calling out to me for your justice? Let's go back to that original question. How can you find the best wherever you're at your worst? How can you find the best wherever you're going through what seems like the worst? Well, first thing we see from this passage is a note, an observation for our lives, that sometimes the only way to find good in your worst is to find God in your worst. You see, Jesus told this parable, he structured it in such a way that this widow She had no source of hope or help other than the judge. And the judge is a picture of God. So every once in a while, maybe you're going through a smaller trial or difficulty and you can just, you know, power of positive thinking, make your way through. Hey, I'm gonna focus on the silver lining and not the gray clouds. And that might work for some of the smaller problems in your life. But as the problems get bigger or as they get more frequent and they bombard you, the reality is that there will be times in your life where the only good that you can find is God himself. So did God maybe bring you into this message today? Because he wants to remind you that the good you seek, the relief you seek, the help and the hope you seek is only found in God. And with that assumption in mind, we realize our big idea, what Jesus wants to teach us. How do you find God when you're going through the worst? Here's the answer you cry out to god you cry out to god and that's how you find his best even when you're going through your worst or even if you're at your worst did you catch that theme in Jesus story this widow she cried out over and over again and i just want to encourage you today wherever you're discouraged wherever you're at your worst would you identify what is that thing that has you so down and have you really called out to God about it? Have you really come to God and said, God, only you can help in this situation? Well, I wanna give you today four specific ways, four ways that you can call out to God just like the widow in this story. You can cry out to God as if he's your only hope. You can cry out to God right now for your deepest need, for your help. And here's step number one, cry out to God persistently. That's an old word, but it means consistently. It means repeatedly. It means over and over again, you keep crying out to God. The difference of this is it's not like you just send God one text message and then you forget all about it. No, every time that problem comes to your mind, every time you get discouraged, you go back to God. God, only you can help. God, you're my only hope. I wanna tell you a true story. Really a tragic story here on earth, but a story that will be beautiful because of Jesus about someone here in our own church who is consistently, persistently, repeatedly calling out to God. I'll introduce you here to Bree. Bree is 22 years old, and Bree is really one of our kiddos here at Connection Point. Bree was studying nursing and just had the whole world ahead of her and a bright future when she got diagnosed with a deadly form of brain cancer, a form called glioblastoma. And Bree, as well as her amazing parents, Trudy and Troy, have been just this incredible picture of what it is to keep calling out to God, even as they're going through something that just seems totally unfair, that seems totally undeserved. Let me read you a little bit of what Brie wrote on the day that they got this diagnosis. She said, I have a non curable and aggressive form of cancer. It has given me a life expectancy of possibly a year. I mean, it's just heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking for all of us who know and love this family. And she says, that's my diagnosis. And she says, as I sit here, I'm fighting back tears because at age 22, I should be thinking about my husband, future husband and babies and a career she describes. She says, I should be hanging out with friends and instead I get a hospital bed and a body that's tired. Bree continues, she's just authentically saying, as much as I could sit here and just be mad and upset and confused, she says, I don't want that because the life I've lived is still amazing. And then she says this, I'm at peace with death because I believe in a God who is so much greater than a diagnosis. Way to go, Bree. We believe that with you. She says, my God will have the ultimate say in this and the fight isn't over. She says, I'll give it all I have, but I want everyone to know that heaven is real and that when my time comes, it will be a beautiful thing and I won't be scared. Brie says, I want everyone to know how much I love God and how this world, not only my life, but this entire world is temporary, but we can have a forever home that is pain-free and that is wonderful. It's been incredible as Brie and her family reached out to me and as I've followed along with her journey to see her trusting God consistently, through all sorts of different surgeries and treatments to see her continually trusting God. On October 12th, she wrote this. She said, I've been sitting in a hospital bed now for 17 days, and I'll be here for another eight to finish out radiation. She said, you learn a lot about yourself when you're sitting alone in a hospital bed. She said, I have a new comfort in God that I've never had before, a new relationship with him that makes everything seem okay. She says, it's easy to pick out all the bad stuff, but then she encourages all her friends, whatever you're facing today, give it to God and brush it off your shoulder. She said, there's no reason to stress when we have a miracle worker who died to take our burdens. I love the faith of this 22 year old. I love it that she posted within this time about her Bible study and how she's following along with our messages and how she's reading the word of God. October 14th, Bree wrote, I've made it a new routine to wake up early and begin my morning with an hour of Bible study. No phone, no distractions, simply me, my Bible, and God. When you're faced with death, it's amazing how your outlook on life can change so quickly and how much you really start to see the real meaning in life and the true values that we often overlook. She said, spending that time with God and giving all your worries and fears to him at the beginning of your day, it will give you a positive outlook. Well, Bree, thank you for being an example to all of us. So many of us, we can't imagine what you're going through. We're praying for you for divine healing. We're walking with you and with your parents in this time. Thank you for being an example to us that no matter what we go through, we can continue to call out to God. You know what's so interesting about this story that Jesus told is that he outright says, the judge is unjust. This is a judge who doesn't care about people, but the point is this, when you call out to God repeatedly and you feel like he's not responding, he is not an unjust judge. He is a good judge judge he sees you and he hears you and he will heal you and deliver you in his perfect time we draw this from that story and from Bree's great example to us God is good even when I'm at my worst even if you feel like you're going through the worst thing of your life or you just feel like John I'm just at my worst I'm not where I used to be mentally or spiritually guess what God is still good He hasn't changed. Keep calling out to him. In fact, don't just call out to him, cry out to him. And as you cry out to him consistently, the second thing you can do is cry out to him boldly. That is cry out to God with a confidence that because you've placed your faith in Jesus, you belong in the very throne room of God. Now, by the way, if you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, You need to do that today. It's only through Jesus that you can boldly come to God. But the moment you place your faith in Jesus, this promise becomes true of you in Hebrews four, verse 16. It says, let us then approach God's throne of grace. This is the very throne room of heaven, the control center of the universe. You can approach it, how? With confidence, boldly, why? Because of what Jesus has done on the cross. And as you approach boldly, you will receive mercy. You will find grace to help you in your time of need. You know, the word of God assumes that as we live in this world broken by sin, we will be in times of need. So when you go through difficulty, don't fall for the lie that God is against you. God is for you. He's waiting for you to call out to him. He's waiting for you to cry out to him. I got to tell you just a few more beautiful stories of people crying out to God and finding him in the midst of their suffering. Here's Ricky Owings. Ricky recently was diagnosed with cancer of the pancreas. And actually, as Ricky was in a facility being medically taken care of, he cried out to God. He was following along with us online and he reached out to our care team. Well, one of our care pastors went to meet with Ricky, and Ricky found comfort as a result of crying out to God, but that's not all that he found. This care pastor said, Ricky, do you know for sure when your body finally wears out and your soul goes into eternity, do you know for sure that you'll be with Jesus? Would you like to know that today? And Ricky said, yes, I wanna know that. Well, this pastor, John Noel, prayed with Ricky, led him through that simple prayer of salvation of saying, Jesus, I believe in you for the forgiveness of my sins. I believe you died on the cross and rose again. Ricky was adopted into the family of God. He was recently baptized here. Why did all this happen for him? Because he cried out to God, even in his suffering. Here's another example of that. Ethan is a young man who had some unanswered questions about God. In fact, when Ethan connected with us, he said, I don't even know if God exists. But he cried out, he called out for the answers. And Ethan joined a class that we have here called our worldview training class. And in that class, Ethan came to believe that yes, God exists. Yes, Jesus is God. Yes, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And as Ethan has placed his faith in Christ, He's finding answers not only for his mind, but peace for his inner person. Way to go, Ethan. What a beautiful thing to see you baptized here recently. Here's just one more person, Kaylin. Kaylin's another who cried out to God. And back around Easter time, she was looking for that fulfillment, that peace that we all seek. And I love what Kaylin said when our pastors asked her, why do you wanna get baptized? She said this, I've made the decision to be baptized, Because I wanna publicly confess my commitment to Christ that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and he is the son of the living God. Well, way to go, Kalen. I love how all three of you cried out to God in your need and you found that he's a God who listens and he responds. And I just wanna encourage you watching whatever you're going through right now, keep crying out to God call out to him consistently, call out to him boldly. And then third, cry out to God with groans. This is an idea from the Greek language that the New Testament was written in, but it's this idea of you calling out, not with pretty words, but with authentic words. You saying, God, here's what I'm actually going through in life. And if you think, John, I wanna cry out to God, but I don't know how to pray, Don't worry, you don't have to be eloquent. Just tell God what's bothering you. I love this in Romans 8, verse 26. It says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We all have weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. When you don't know what to pray, just say, God, I don't know what to pray. But here's what I'm feeling. Here's what I'm going through. Will you help me? When I think of this idea of the spirit interceding, I think of my three kiddos. My youngest, Evie, we adopted from Haiti. And Evie was almost three years old when we finally got her here to the United States and she met her sister and brother. Well, Evie didn't know English. And so there was this time in Evie's life where her talking sounded a lot like groans. And what was so great about that season is that her sister Zoe could somehow magically understand what Evie was saying. And Zoe would translate, she would intercede. Now here's the thing, Zoe couldn't read Evie's mind. For Zoe to translate what Evie was saying to me and Mel, Evie still had to say it. Now the Holy Spirit, is waiting to intercede for you to the very presence of God to say, here's what she needs, here's what he needs. But you've got to do your part of crying out, do your part of groaning out. And as you do, you can claim this promise from that same passage of Romans chapter eight. It says this, we know, we have a confidence that in all things, that includes cancer, that includes COVID, That includes injustice and abuse, the most horrendous things. God's not the author of those things, Satan is. But even in those evil things, God works for the good. He takes what is evil and he turns it for good. He takes the fact that our bodies die, and when he died on the cross, he turned that death into eternal life. God can take any broken thing in your life and he can turn it for good if you know for sure that you're one of his children. This is a promise. You can be confident no matter what you go through. God will turn it for good. He will bring good from it as long as you know that you love him and that you're part of his family, that you've been called according to his purpose. And the moment you place your faith in Jesus, you can know that. Now you might be wondering, John, why is it so important to cry out? Doesn't God know my thoughts? Well, yes, he does know your thoughts, but here's the thing. Words are powerful. I don't just mean that as an observation about life. I mean, if you read scripture from the heart of God, one of God's assumptions is that words are more powerful than the physical reality of our bodies. In fact, God created the universe with words. He spoke it into existence. Jesus takes the title, in the beginning was the word. Elections and wars are determined by words. The boundaries of nations are determined by words. The deed, if you own property of your land or the lease on your apartment is determined by words. Words are what differentiate you and me from the animals. Words are spiritual. So use your words to cry out, to the just judge, the good judge of the universe who will help you in your time of need. Let me give you some specific ways that you can cry out to God this very week. First, sing to God. We've got a worship night coming up this Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. The building will be open, but it will also be live streamed. And I've got to tell you guys, we had a worship night like this about a month and a half ago. I watched it from home on the live stream and I was in tears, it was so powerful, why? Because I was singing along, I was crying out to God and he was connecting with me. And whether you watch from home or come into this building, I wanna encourage you, be with us Tuesday night at 7.30, why? So that you can cry out to God. You can also write it. And we've got a great online tool to help you with this. You can text the word FIRST to the number on the screen and we'll give you a tool whether it's right on your phone or a journal to help you write out your prayers and your requests to God. You can also recite the word of God. If you don't yet have a Bible, text the word Bible to the number on the screen. And in our faith first journey, as well as in our small group curriculum for this week, you'll get a number of Bible verses from the book of Psalms, where you can literally just open up the word of God and you can just read it out loud. What are you doing? You're crying out to God. And when you don't know what to say, you read the very words of God. And finally, you cry out to God by discussing it. That's why we have our small group. So text the word group to that same number. Well, let me give you a fourth way to cry out to God. And this is my favorite one. You cry out to God believing that his end is, is good cry out to God believing that his end is good as Jesus said so many times in this world we will have trouble the process isn't always good the stage or the chapter that you're in might not feel good but the end is good and so you cry out to God saying God I believe you're going to work good from this I believe you're going to get me through this I wonder in your life right now where does it seem like God's not listening Where does it seem like, just like that widow, you're knocking on the door and you're just not getting an answer? And maybe you'd say, John, I still believe that God's good, but it just seems like he's not listening. Where does it seem like there's no way that any good could come from the evil that you're going through? Would you identify that issue? And as you do, I wanna show you a short video from 1992 at the Barcelona Olympics when a runner, suffered the most catastrophic injury of his career, and everything seemed hopeless. Go ahead and take a look.
1: Tom Hammond and Craig Massback back at Olympic Stadium in Barcelona coming up to the men's 400-meter semifinals. Here are the lane assignments. Steve Lewis in lane three. Top four to Wednesday's final. Lewis in lane three. Roberto Hernandez out quickly in four. Now down the back stretch. Ismael on the left of the screen is running very, very quickly. And inside of Lewis, Sunday Bada of Nigeria. And Derek Redmond of Great Britain has pulled up with an injury. Redmond is out. Derek Redmond, the British record holder and an important member of that British four by 400 meter relay team, as he doesn't want anybody to help him. And it'll be Lewis to win in 44.50. Look at this. He's going to try to finish his semifinal race. The British have a... Certain tradition of running, which you have to respect. A bizarre finish to this first semi final in the men's 400 meters. Derek Redmond of Great Britain pulled up with an injury halfway down the back stretch. He's fighting off those trying to help him to finish the race in his lane. And now the pain too much. Olympic Stadium as Redmond with assistance this time approaches the finish line he had wanted so desperately to reach. That is the Olympic spirit.
0: You know, I just love that picture of the heart of a father who says, I will fight through the crowd to go down on the track to help my son. You know, The reality is because of Satan and sin, we all get injured in this life. We all have times when we can't take the pain. We all have times when we're running toward our dreams and we find ourselves tumbling toward the ground and you see everyone else speeding ahead in life and you're there on the ground and it all seems broken and it all seems hopeless. And wherever that is in your life, God brought you into this moment because he wants you to know that he's a good father. Just like that athlete laying on the ground, Derek thinking, this is it, everything's over. And with all that he has, he gets back up and he tries to limp toward the finish line. His father then, breaks through the crowd. And I just love the emotion on the face of this son as he's leaning on his father and his father then walking with him all the way to that finish line. And I love it that even then when the security and other people would come up, his father would just push them away. Did you know your father feels that way about you? You know, the word of God, it likens our time on earth to a race. And every single one of us has a finish line waiting ahead. Whether we get a diagnosis at age 22 about that finish line or at age 82, we all have that finish line. We will all have that catastrophic injury at some time. Do you know for sure today that the Father is right there with you? And I just want to encourage you, call out to Jesus first and foremost for your salvation, but then cry out to him consistently. Cry out to him boldly. Give him your groans and then believe that just like this father and this son, that even when you've fallen down and you've got nothing left, that your father will pick you up. And you and me and everyone we love who's placed their faith in Jesus, he will carry us even if we're limping all the way to that finish line of life. God gives you this promise in Jeremiah chapter 29. He says this, I know the plans I have for you. Do you know that God has plans for you? Specific plans, not generic plans for the whole country or even your family, for you. He knows your name. He knows the hairs on your head or the hairs that used to be on your head. And he's got plans for you. He says, and this is what my plans are like, declares the Lord. My plans, they're to prosper you. My plans for you are good. Doesn't mean you won't go through hard times, but the end is good. You will prosper with me for all of eternity. My plans are never to harm you. Where there's harm in your life, where there's pain in your life, don't attribute what's from Satan to God. His plans are not to harm you. He plans to give you a hope and he plans to give you a future. You might be feeling today like, John, I don't feel like I even have a future anymore. Maybe you feel that way because of your physical health or because of a relational fracture. God has a future for you. And then look at this, the very next verse. He says, you will call on me and you will come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Are you calling on God? Are you praying to him? Are you crying out to him? If you will listen to this promise in verse 13, you will seek me. And then you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. Well, in your life today, I'm hoping you'll identify what it is that's most broken, that's most painful, and say, God, I will seek you with this. Earlier, I told you about Bree, and we will continue to pray for miraculous healing. It would be a divine miracle with this form of cancer for God to heal that. But let's pray for it but I love Bree's faith that she says, I'm crying out to God, believing that his plans are good in the end, even if brain cancer is how I transition from this life to the next. Listen to what Brie wrote just recently on November 12th. She said, having cancer is terrible, but knowing it's slowly killing you and there's nothing you can do about it, that's even worse. She said, a lot of you ask how I'm feeling and it's such a hard question to answer. She said, I'm feeling okay pain-wise. I take my meds throughout the day, but my eyesight gets worse daily. Swallowing is harder, walking is harder. Mentally and emotionally, I'm wrecked. And as I read these words from Bree, and as my heart was just breaking, I was just thinking of that athlete picked up by his father and that athlete just limping along she says, I'm feeling thankful to have doctors who care about me. And she's so thankful for her family. But then she says this, most of all, I'm thankful for a God who continually blesses me with a community of support and encouragement. How in the world can she find good when she's going through the worst? It's because she's calling out to God. And she says this, I'm thankful for a God who promises me a forever home in heaven. So when that time comes, I'll be pain free. A God who holds my hand through this journey and makes even the bad days a little bit better. This is the God who loves you, who will carry Brie to her eternal home, and every single one of us who place our faith in Jesus. Let's cry out to him this week, like never before, believing that his plans are good. I'm going to pray that for you right now. Father, Lord, we bring you every one of our unthinkable evils, the unthinkable pains, the unjust things like a healthy 22-year-old finding out they have one year to live. Lord, the pain for Uh, Bree's parents, as they realize this daughter of theirs in the future, and Lord, the pain in every one of our lives, you tell us that you weep with us, that you're near to the brokenhearted. You are not an unjust judge who is cold-hearted and far away. You are a loving father who pushes the crowd aside to run down onto the racetrack of life, to pick us up where we've fallen, And God, because of sin and the fall, we limp through this world with cancer, with pain, with injustice. But Lord, you're there to pick us up. You're there to walk us to our finish line. And Lord, as we continue to cry out to you one day at a time, eventually every one of us will collapse over that finish line. And there, Jesus, you'll be waiting and you'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. You never stopped crying out to me. Lord, we cry out to you today. We ask you for divine healing for the people we love who only you could miraculously heal. Lord, we ask you for the people we love who haven't yet trusted you, that they would believe in you and have eternal life. And God, we choose to believe that you're good even when our life is at its worst. We love you. We will cry out to you this week. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.